0: Day 32. I enjoyed watching a few excellent teenage performances on the track tonight. One of the things that is great about athletics is it is a genuine meritocracy. I'm a firm believer in giving young people opportunities to prove themselves, investing in their development and putting support in place to help them succeed. I don't have much time for the They're not ready yet. They won't be able to handle the pressure. They are not mature enough way of thinking that writes off young people too quickly. Today, I'm thankful for those who backed me when I was young and had my back when I failed. I'm also grateful for the privilege of working with movements nationally and globally that prioritize student leadership and youth development. I know that many talented young people will not be in the media spotlight as they explore their gifts and calling. I am glad for the reminder of teenagers having an impact and I'm happy to highlight their importance. The central purpose of InterVarsity in Canada is to grow faith and develop leadership in the next generation. Crucial to this is an understanding of the good news of Jesus. The Christian message is not that life can be better, that we can be fulfilled or find purpose. There are many philosophies, ideologies and religions that offer these things. When Jesus gives his final instructions to the disciples at the end of Luke's gospel, he says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The good news is about the promise of God being fulfilled through Jesus' death and resurrection, and how this makes possible a change of heart and forgiveness of sins in his name. That is why the cross on the hill supersedes the Sermon on the Mount as the central message and enduring symbol of the good news of Jesus. This is not a popular or easy message. Most modern ideologies have little space for the idea of sin. Right and wrong become social constructs. Morality is relative between people rather than having any relationship with God and his word. Most things are acceptable if they pass the test of achieving the greater good or avoiding intentional harm. We understand that we make mistakes and see others committing crimes and misdemeanours. We reserve punitive justice for the worst cases and allow a more relaxed attitude for the others. We reckon we are better than most and only worse than some. We try to be kind and do good. But what do we do when our selfishness gets the better of us? When we do hurt others? When we fail to do good? When we fall short of our own standards or others' expectations? And beyond the measure of our own conscience or adherence to cultural norms, how do we measure against God's standards and where do we stand with him? What do we do with guilt, felt or real? Psalm 32 has some things to say about sin and forgiveness. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous sing, all you who are upright in heart. The executive summary is that there is joy in the forgiveness of sins. David starts this psalm considering a general principle, that it is a good and fortuitous thing, for transgression to be forgiven and sin covered. He affirms that it is a favourable and advantageous thing if the Lord has no record of your wrongs and is not keeping track of a debt to settle. He moves on from reflecting on this general truth to sharing his own experience, that he was conscious of the weight of sin on him but did not deny, deflect, or suppress those feelings. He recognised he had a problem and brought it to the Lord. John, in his first letter, writes, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's an old saying that confession is good for the soul. It carries the idea that getting something off your chest can clear the air, repair relationships and make you feel better. But the confession that the Bible speaks of is more than this because it is directed to the Lord. Forgive sin. A clean heart for a new start is possible only with God. The good news is not about trying to atone for the things we have done wrong through sacrifice or renewed effort. God does not intend that we are controlled like a horse or mule with bit and bridle. There is freedom in forgiveness. David is clear that he has been forgiven And this has made a difference to him. He ends by encouraging the people to come to God and know his love. I need to continue to live in the grace of God, not trying to earn forgiveness, approval or worth, but receiving and responding to his great love and keeping short accounts with him. A prayer of confession. Jesus, forgive my sins. Forgive the sins that I can remember, but also the sins I have forgotten. Forgive the wrong actions I have committed and the right actions I have omitted. Forgive the times I've been weak in the face of temptation and those when I have been stubborn in the face of correction. Forgive the times I've been proud of my own achievements and those when i failed to boast of your works. Forgive the harsh judgments I've made of others and the leniency I've shown to myself. Forgive the lies I have told to others and the truths I have avoided. Forgive me the pain I have caused others and the indulgence I have shown to myself. Jesus, have pity on me and make me whole. My excesses and deficiencies do not need to define me. As the message expresses the enthusiasm of the first part of the psalm. Count yourself lucky, how happy you must be. You get a fresh start, your slates wiped clean. Count yourself lucky, God holds nothing against you. And you're holding nothing back from him. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. This is good news. We are a pardoned people who can be forgiven.